Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. It is Thursday. It is March 25th, 2021. Are we looking at the next great Alamo down on the border of Mexico and in Texas and Arizona and California? Are we seeing the uh, revenge of the Alamo? Are we watching and witnessing Uh, actual invasion into our country, only time will tell, and only God really knows what's going to happen in the near days ahead in this country. But the bottom line is, praise the Lord, pass the ammunition, and whatever will be, will be. There was a song that went just like that, whatever will be, will be. So whatever will be, will be. So I've got some great news for you today. I'm getting ready and preparing a interview with a young lady that is very much involved in the Islamic reality in our nation. And I think that's very significant because I think maybe some of you understand that everything that was happening before Donald J. Trump became the president in our country, uh, it was put on pause. Now Rocket Man is back. He's launching a couple of missiles over North Korea. Um, you know, we're seeing the border issue come become a reality again. We're seeing mass shootings take place again. A lot of these things were being way toned down under the Trump administration. And now that the Biden administration is here, we're seeing this escalation. So should it be of any surprise that the wild man would be loosed again? And when I speak of the wild man, I speak of Ishmael. He is biblically, scripturally, the wild man. He is the nation of Islam today. 
And I know that the Mahdi that will come, the 12th Imam, is going to unite the Sunni and Shia uh, forces into one Islamic caliphate. I believe that will happen. I believe that's part of the plan. Um, And yet here we are fulfilling and watching Bible prophecy all around us. And in America, there's turmoil. In this country, there's turmoil. In the nations of the earth, there's turmoil. Turmoil, 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 a sure sign of the times biblically when we look through the biblical lens. And I don't know about you. The scriptures have been my wisdom for a very long time. They have been shaping me. They've been fashioning me back into the image of the firstborn son. And there's still quite a ways to go. There's no doubt about that. We're all undergoing a process of transformation. However, the scriptures are and have been our wisdom. They are our knowledge, revelation, our understanding of the world in which we live. We have what you would call a biblical worldview. And I believe to have a genuine biblical worldview that each person needs to read the Bible for themselves with the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit guiding the way. I was reading this morning to Patricia while we were making preparations for today, the book of Thessalonians. And we read the first three chapters and wow, you know, I was thinking about how the whole, you know, this, this church age, they, they kind of say the church age, which has been the last 2000 years since there's, you know, it's been an emphasis on the church or the ecclesia, call it what you will. And how the Apostle Paul and the other apostles that were with him, how they were traveling all over the world and they were bringing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the message of the kingdom of God to every city they went, every region they went, every country they went. And they had churches started, and then they would send people there. They would rise up uh, or raise up a pastor and deacons and bishops and elders, and there would be the fivefold ministry at work in those city churches. And how Paul, doing his travelings, was always very much concerned how the church was doing. How was the church doing in Rome? How was the church doing in uh, Corinth? How was the church doing in Thessalonica or Colossians or Galatians and Ephesus? How were, how were they doing? And this was the apostle's heart, was to get a people called out of the world unto Christ, baptize them, commission them, assign them, strategize them to be salt and light in the region in which they lived, and then knowing the affliction, the persecution, the tribulation that they would endure for following Jesus Christ, he was always wanting to know, how are you doing? And I love that because it kind of takes you away from the idea of what the world is doing, and it puts emphasis on how the ecclesia is doing, how the church is doing. And today, It's a little bit different, no doubt about it. We don't just have one church in San Diego or one church in Phoenix, Arizona, or one church in uh, Gallup, New Mexico. We have 500 churches. We have 50 churches. We have different denominations and different uh, forms and different structures and different personalities within one city. And yet we are a nation with many cities and in, in all of our states, we have so many different, you know, offshoots of this thing called the church or this real, genuine, organic reality called the church. And so what a different world we're living in. And during the last 2,000 years of the church age, the whole idea has been to evangelize the world, 
preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, share the good news with as many as we can, and if we have to speak while doing it, then do it. And so with that message of the kingdom, the preaching of Jesus Christ came the power of God through the Holy Spirit so that miracles, signs, and wonders would be accomplished, and they would confirm the word of God that was preached. And so we start out in the book of Acts, and we read about all the miracles, signs, and wonders that were accomplished by the hands of the apostles, and then the reception of the Holy Spirit in every believer, not just knowledge of Jesus Christ, but all believers getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and then allowing the gift of the Holy Spirit to operate in the life of every believer, and so that everybody would profit in the body of Christ. And so here we have this growth, this expansion, this escalation, and it was all kingdom business, all kingdom business. Start a church, preach Christ, gather the people, bring the word of God to them. Paul writes his epistles. He encourages the church. We have all the other letters in the New Testament. The Old Testament was preached, how it preached of the coming Messiah. And here we are, 2,000 years down the road, and things have definitely shifted. Some people say it this way, that we are coming to the very end of the church age, and we are crossing over or shifting or being birthed through the canal into the kingdom age. And what does that mean? You know, I've heard that kind of teaching for a long time. Well, we go from the church age where the emphasis is on the church, you know, every member of the body of Christ, every person becomes a member of the body or the body is the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. So a lot of emphasis on that. And then we have a shift into the kingdom. Now, if there's one difference between the church with miracles, signs, and wonders accompanying the word so that souls may be one, healing, miracles, resurrections, all of it has happened in 2,000 years. Well, then what would be the one major difference from operating within the church age and then the kingdom age? Well, when I study the scriptures, I find one mega difference between the church age and the kingdom age. The church age is filled again with miracles, signs, and wonders. You go back, you read the book of Acts, and you come up to, the, to today, people are still being healed. There are mir- miracles. God is moving within his church. The spirit is alive to God. 2,000 years, by the way, is two days in his economy, the way he sees things. Okay, so we've seen the preaching of the gospel, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the signs of the times. I mean, everything has been involved in these 2,000 years. So what's the difference between the church age and the kingdom age? I want to begin today in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, and show you what I believe the purpose of the kingdom age is. And if you could just consider for a moment, with everything going on in the world after two days that we're now coming into the prophetic third day, okay, the third day in the economy of heaven within the eternal purpose of God, one day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. There's no doubt that we've been in the realm of 2,000 years. You know, within our generation, we are in that, at the ending, the wrapping up of uh, two millennial days, 
We are moved definitely into the third millennial day since Jesus Christ was on the earth. We also know that there have been six millennial days or 6,000 years since Adam and Mrs. Adam were thrust out of the garden. Time began in this Kronos timeline, the linear timeline, horizontal timeline, not the Kairos of God any longer, which they had in the garden. But when time began... When Adam and Mrs. Adam were thrust out, we know that six millennial days have passed, or 6,000 years. It's common knowledge that 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, and another 2,000 years from Abraham to Jesus, and then from Jesus to this moment, another 2,000 years, 6,000 years, six millennial days. So we're also coming into the seventh millennial day. So the third day, the seventh day, the Bible has a pattern of these particular days, But what is it all about? As we're leaving behind the church ages, we're leaving behind the time of the Adamic human race, having 6,000 years to get it right, now we're coming into the seventh day. Now we're coming into the third day. Well, Isaiah chapter 9 gives us a little bit of a hint, and it tells us in, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 4, for thou hast broken the yoke of his burden. Now, let's just do this. Let's just start in verse 6, okay? We'll go to verse 6 or else it'll get confusing. Verse 6 of Isaiah, chapter 9. For unto us a child is born. Uh, Here comes the prophetic word of the Lord, right? Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. All right, so. The very first clue that we see in this prophecy, we know it's referring to Yeshua, Jesus Christ. He is the child that was born. He is the son that was given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. It's a lot to talk about the shoulder ministry in the kingdom of heaven. But the word that we want to talk about is government. Government. And that is one of the major differences between the church age and the kingdom age. The church age had all the miracle signs and wonders, but not real governmental power and authority, whereas in the kingdom age, there will be an incredible shift of just church into the church ruling and reigning with the governmental power of the kingdom of heaven under the headship of Jesus Christ. So we're getting ready for a governmental reality to come to the ecclesia of God, And so we go on, and it says, This government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. By the way, if you've been reading your Bible, you know that Jesus Christ brought the revelation of the Father to the Scriptures. One time, God is referred to as a father in the Old Testament. But in the New Covenant, Jesus brings the revelation of the Father's heart to every individual so that there's relationship now, not with the God of heaven and Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi, and he's all that, but he's so much more in intimacy that he brought to the world that God is our Father, the originator of our substance, the creator of who we are of all things, 
and that through Jesus Christ, the firstborn son, you and I have access to the relationship with our father where father God treats us as his children. That's one of the great epiphanies, revelations, and unveiling of the father's heart towards you and I and towards all who will believe. We are now sons and daughters. We are children. We are heirs. We are joint heirs. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we have accessed the house of heaven, the house of God. And we have been brought in, not as servants, but as sons, not only as stewards, but as daughters. We are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have been born again into the family tree of Jesus Christ. Adam's family tree is a wreck. Adam's family tree is a mess. You and I were part of the Adam tree, the Adam's family. You talk about the Adam's family, right? Well, we were part of the Adam's family, and the root of the Adam's family is corrupt and defiled, and yet we've been born again into a new tree Jesus Christ, whose root is in heaven, and we have been born again into that tree of life, and we are part of that family, and that is amazing. However, with all that glory, where God is now our Father, Jesus is the firstborn Son, He's the firstborn among many brethren, we talk again about the government of God. Watch this. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now watch. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Now, don't get me wrong. The government of God has been in this earth. Jesus Christ, though we do not see him with our natural sight, is at the right hand of God in heaven. He is waiting for his enemies to become his footstool. He has given power to the ecclesia, the bone of his bone, the flesh of his flesh, his body here upon earth. And he has inspired through his Holy Spirit governmental action. We have seen some of the government of God when the early church in the book of Acts turned cities upside down. When they executed, I mean, the government of God has always been in the earth. When Elijah was calling fire down from heaven, when uh, Elijah shut up the heavens and the earth that it did not rain for three and a half years, that was a portion of the government of God. Every time we saw some person anointed by God, apprehended by God, having the authority of God, exercising that authority, whether it was the Apostle Paul striking somebody with blindness, That was a portion of the government of God. But the kingdom age that we're being birthed into, that we're leaving behind the church age and going into it. So don't get so upset about the disgruntlement and the discombobulation of what we know as church. It's wrapping up. It's coming to an end. And out from that will come the birthing into the age of the kingdom Hallelujah, the prophetic third day, the prophetic seventh day, we're talking about a day of resurrection power where the resurrected saints of God in spirit, soul, and body are going to be ruling and reigning for a thousand years with the Lord in the millennial kingdom. But we've seen a 
a, a preview. We've tasted just a little bit of that authority of the kingdom, the government of God, when we bind a spirit, when we cast out a spirit, when we uh, see the power of God through our prayers answering. And, you know, there's some of it, but it's coming in full-blown measure in the kingdom age. And someone said, hallelujah, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David. Now, Jesus Christ, according to the flesh, is the seed of David, but he's also the root of David because he's the first and the last, the omega and the, uh, the alpha and the omegas, right? So the throne of David, where God promised there would never fail to sit a man on the throne of David, well, that man is Jesus Christ. There will never be another king to take his place. He is the one who has sat upon the throne of David in the last 2,000 years in that secret realm at the right hand of God, having all power and authority. Remember what Jesus said after the resurrection? All power in heaven and earth have been given to me. So Jesus went to the throne. He received his kingdom. He sat upon his throne. He has a scepter of righteousness, and he's been overseeing the church age for 2,000 years from generation to generation among those who have faith and believe. And some have taken that authority and exercised it to advance the kingdom of God. There has never been a decrease in the kingdom and government of God. We have to understand that. To his government there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. And what is it going to do? It's going to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice. Judgment and justice are coming through the throne of David. The king who sits upon that throne is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I, the overcomers, are going to rule and reign with him along with all the overcomers during the church age in the last 2,000 years. And even perhaps those that went before us in the age of the old covenant, the time going all the way back, even before there was a Mosaic covenant, right? So there's a lot of folks going to be resurrected that are going to be ruling and reigning during the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ, exercising the government of God. And from generation to generation in this earth, every one of us that have opportunity to begin to practice our rulership and our reigning over the powers of darkness, binding, rebuking, casting out, exercising the authority of God with hearts that are sanctified in the blood of Jesus, in the love of Jesus Christ. You and I have been created to rule and reign with God forever in glorified bodies that will never get sick, never die, never fail. We're going into a realm where we won't need the sun or the moon. We'll never have to go to sleep. We're not going into that reality. We're getting glorified bodies, and through those glorified bodies, we will be ruling and reigning with the light of Christ, the righteousness of God, and my, oh, my, what a day it will be during the thousand years, as one day during that thousand-year millennial reign. The government of God will be in full blossom with Yeshua ruling and reigning from Jerusalem in the new Jerusalem reality, and we can't even comprehend what that's like. We have a hard time comprehending that we're going to be resurrected if we happen to die in this world, or maybe we're going to be alive and remaining when the Lord returns 
and will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And all Bible prophecy is pointing to that time of the coming of the Lord right now. What a glorious picture. So the difference between the church age and the government, the age of the kingdom, is government. Some will, remember what Jesus said? He who overcomes, some will rule five cities. Some will govern ten cities. Yeah, I mean, you are going to be the new governors. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like really good news right now. We live in a world where the governors and the princes and the judges and all these people in the world, they are not ruling well. They are not doing a good job. They are not getting the job done because they are not ruling with the power of the throne of heaven to bring righteousness into the earth. And our world is living proof that the government of this world has failed. But we have good news in the book of Revelation chapter 11 that the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Hallelujah. Now, he goes on to say that he's going to establish it. He's going to order his kingdom with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. You know what? First, I want to get Matthew 28, 18. You can't, you got to go to Matthew 28, 18. So there and then we'll go to Luke chapter 1. Matthew 28, listen to this. In verse 18, then the 11, well, I'm going to start in verse 16. Verse 16, Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, the 11 disciples, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, or the age, or the aeon. So, Jesus said he had received all power in heaven and on earth. He commissioned the church during the church age to go and teach and baptize the nations. But the age of the kingdom shall surely come. The age of Preaching, proclaiming, teaching, um, baptizing will come to a conclusion. Now we'll begin to rule and reign. Now will be the season of ruling and reigning. And we look at this world today and we say we need new rulers. We need people in positions of power that will rule the world. And the Bible says that we believers are going to rule the world. As a matter of fact, I touched on it last night in Bible study. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I'd like to read it to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 says this. 
dare any of you having a matter against another. He's talking about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust. So here we have believers taking other believers to the law before the unjust world and not before the saints. Paul's amazed at this. Why aren't you just taking it to the saints? Listen to verse 2. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Wow. Did you know that? The saints will judge the world. In other words, we will rule and reign in the earth, and we will judge the world. And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? He's talking about within the church age, when there's problems among believers, that we should all sit down and bring the case before the body of Christ, not before the unjust judges of the world. And then he says, know ye not that we shall judge angels. How much more things that pertain to this life. So we are destined to rule and reign. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, let's go to Matthew, and I want to begin in verse 1. I believe it is where I want to be. Matthew chapter 1, and this is really awesome. Again, talking about the government of God. And in verse 18, it says this, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. All right. But while, let's see, I want to make sure I'm in the right place here. Lord, am I in the right place? I may not be. Praise God. I probably am, and I'm just not reading it. So let's see. It's the scripture where Jesus is fulfilling a Bible prophecy of being a governor. He's the governor. And I don't know why I'm not seeing that right now, but let's see what I, if I could just read through just a little bit. <clears throat> Here it is. Thank you. All right, so Matthew chapter 2 is where it was in verse 5. And they said unto him, okay, this is Herod looking uh, for Jesus. He wants to kill him, basically. And so the wise men around him are saying uh, unto, unto him that he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet... And thou, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So again, we're talking about the governmental age. Jesus Christ is the head of, this, of the kingdom government. Okay, his commission during the church age was teach, preach, uh, baptize, tell them to observe. But the time will come 
when the full-blown government of God will come. And I can't get away from saying this one more time. What if the saints of God are seated in positions of power? Jesus said, I have all power in heaven and earth. So when you exercise that kind of power, well, what is this world going to do? It's going to be subdued. It is going to be brought under the authority of a righteous government operating on this earth. We have probably seen little tiny manifestations of it at different times during the epochs of time where righteous rulers were in power and and societies were governed by a righteousness. And while societies were governed by a righteousness, it afforded peace and joy and happiness We didn't have all this end-time preaching. We didn't have this frustration, this annoyance, this aggravation. We didn't have this struggle of the diabolical, wicked rulers in the land and all that stuff. I mean, when righteous rulers are in positions of power, exercising authority, the land is at rest. The land is at peace. And here's the good news. It's going to come to pass again. And we are the generation that are qualified. We are the candidate generation to be selected and chosen to become a part of that reality. The seventh day is a day of rest. 6,000 years of man's rule and reign on the earth have produced Nothing. I mean, some good stuff along the way, but nothing of the way that God really wants the earth to be. Six days. Well, God created the heavens and the earth in six days. He rested on the seventh day. It has been another 6,000 years that the Lord has been working. His seventh day is before us again, and he is going to rest, and the earth is going to rest. Why? Because it's going to come under the righteous government of God through an ecclesia of saints who have been before us and may come after us. But there is going to be the resurrection of the dead, the translation of the saints. The government of God will begin to pour out his wrath upon the nations of the earth. Christ will return with all of his saints, set up his government upon this earth, and we will rule and reign in righteousness in bodies of glory that will no longer be out of the Adamic, family tree, the root of Adam that is spoiled, rotten, corrupt, and perverse, and depraved, and that's why we have so many problems in the world today. But through those who have believed in Jesus, who have been born again into a new tree, the tree of Christ, we've been getting sanctified and washed and purified and become holy and separated from the inside out. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. And right now, it is time to encourage the church. It is time to encourage believers because right before this reality of the government of God, the adversary is going to roar because he's the God of this world. He really believes that the governments of this world belong to him. And so he's being threatened by this gospel. 
He's being threatened by this word. He's not threatened by anything else in the universe. He's not threatened by aliens. He's not threatened by anything. The only thing that threatens the God of this world is this reality that is proclaimed in the gospel that his time is coming to an end, that the the beast shall gnaw his tongue in darkness, according to Revelation 16. The beast knows, the devil knows, the God of this world knows that he has an end. And when it gets closer to his end, he will rage with fury and try to amass a world government conspiracy against Jesus Christ, which is really futile, and it's going to come to an end. So he's going to rage against the church. He's going to rage against that mechanism that is going to have the sword of the kingdom of God and execute the judgment against him. So he's warring and raging, and we haven't even begun to see his veins pop yet, but it's going to happen. I wonder if, if we have been so consumed with what the world is doing and our frustration with it, our aggravation, our being harassed and annoyed and vexed and troubled, et cetera, et cetera, if we haven't forgotten the end result of this thing. Until this government of God comes, we are still instructed to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature under heaven. We are still instructed to teach them to observe all things that Christ has taught us, to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What a crazy thing that is. People in the church today get divided. Should I baptize in the name of Jesus or in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Should I baptize in the name of the Holy? And the churches are divided over that issue. It's a sign that the church age is coming to an end. All these doctrinal confusions are a sign that God's purpose with the church as far as doing what was supposed to be done, proclaiming the word of the Lord to the ends of the earth, is coming to an end. Now, the overcomers of whatever doctrinal you know, belief they've had, that they love Jesus Christ, they love God, they've been born again, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're operating in the truth of God to the measure they know, there's going to come. Can you imagine if God took away the veil from your mind and my mind today, and he took the, the slush off of our brain and the deception out of us, wherever it was, and all of a sudden, because our hearts are true before him, there was an illumination, a comprehension, an ability to know the truth and go, wow, and we would love that truth, wouldn't we? We would absolutely relish in that truth because we love God. And we'd say, wow, was I off on that one? Boy, did I miss that one. Wow, I I didn't get that. But can you imagine the illumination, the comprehension, the wisdom, the understanding, and then being fully immersed in the power of that kind of a baptism and then giving glorified bodies to rule and reign, mamma mia. I like it. See, I like that because that's what I believe is the ultimate purpose of God. The end of the ages is upon us. The time for the church age to give way to the governmental kingdom age is at hand. 
But between the ending of the church age and the arrival of the kingdom age, there's a little canal called the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. It's a woman in travail. It's a church giving birth to a man-child who shall rule the nations with a rod of iron. Now, we all know who that singular man-child is, but have we stopped to consider the man-child ministry of a corporate anointing of overcoming sons of God? For the firstborn is giving birth to many sons. Well, it looks like this. If you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 2, I'm talking about the birthing of the woman, the church, the Jerusalem above, call it whatever you will. It is the church age giving birth to the kingdom age. And now we know this is what it says in Revelation chapter 2. And I want to begin in verse 26, okay? And we should read the whole thing, but verse 26 gives you one of the realities of what's going on here. Jesus Christ said... In Revelation 2.26, he that overcometh and keeps my works unto the end. That's how you overcome. You keep his works to the end. To him will I give power over the nations. So whoever overcomes, I, Jesus said, I'm going to give him power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Wait a second. Jesus is saying, even as I overcame and received of my father a rod of iron to rule the nations, well, within the church age, the overcomers are going to rule over the nations as well with a rod of iron. So let's go to Revelation chapter 12. In Revelation chapter 12, here's what we read. And again, this is what I'm talking to you about, moving from the church age into the kingdom age, and the difference between the two is the governmental power of God in full force. So when we read in Revelation chapter 12, it, it begins this way. There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. She being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. So this woman is travailing, and she's longing to give birth, to be delivered of this child. And who is that child? It says in verse 3, there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, seven crowns upon his heads. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now, in the days of Jesus, Herod stood at the womb of all the women, and all the male babies, two years and younger, were killed. He wants to devour that man-child, right? And he brought forth, listen to this in verse 5. She, the woman, brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. There it is. We just read in Revelation. Her child, singular, was caught up unto God and to his throne. 
Now, caught up to God, caught up to the throne. He's the ruler with the rod of iron. But we know that the woman today is the new Jerusalem, Galatians 4. Well, let's go read Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 says it this way. This woman is the mother of us all. It says in verse 21, tell me, you that desire, I'm in Galatians 4.21, tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he was of the bondwoman, was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by the promise, which things are an allegory, for these are the two covenants, the Mosaic covenant and the new covenant. The one from the Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, which genders to bondage, which is Agar or Hagar, the mother of Ishmael, right? For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. In other words, the whole Mount Sinai covenant of the Ten Commandments, the covenant of Moses, was all now under the Jerusalem of the people that are not born again, right? That's what he's saying. But Jerusalem which is above is free. Now we're talking about spiritual Jerusalem, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, rejoice thou barren and bearest not. Break forth and cry thou that travailest not for the desolate has many more children than she that has a husband. Now, what are we saying here? Even as the singular son of God was born to rule the nations of the earth, Jesus said, whoever overcomes will have the same right to rule and reign with a rod of iron. The church age, the Jerusalem above, the mother of us all, she is, the church age, is giving birth to the kingdom age of overcomers who will rule and reign in the government of God with a rod of iron. We are going to rule and reign. That is the destiny. But what is happening in Revelation 12? The woman is in travail. She's longing to give birth. And that's what we are. That's where we are right now. We're getting ready to shift from church age to kingdom age, the government of God. That age is coming. It's a 1,000-year millennial reign. And we're, we're being squeezed right now. And the closer we get to the birthing of this millennial age, the more contractions are coming and the more violent it becomes and the cry gets louder. The woman is travailing to give birth. The church is, is yearning. She's groaning. She's travailing to give birth to the kingdom age of the sons of God who will rule and reign for a thousand years. And the devil is where? Standing at the womb of this age. He's at the womb of the church, waiting for the birthing of these sons of God, the sons and daughters of God, to devour it, to stop it. And so it's always going to be an intensified warfare the closer we get to the reality of the eternal purpose of God in heaven. In other words, you as a believer, singular you, are being viewed as a potential world ruler 
in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which is a kingdom of righteousness, you who have been born again, you who have been saved by grace, you who have gone through the turmoils of the human nature Adamic family tree bloodline, have now been translated into the kingdom of his dear son, become a member of the family tree of Jesus Christ. You, who are struggling today with paying your bills, you, who are struggling today with your health, you, who are struggling today with your finances, you, who are struggling today in your relationships, you, who are struggling in your emotions, you, who are battling it out daily with demons, you, who are struggling to understand, to get things clearly understood, you, who are struggling every moment of every day to overcome temptation, you, who the enemy is warring against, opposing, adverse to you, because he knows your love for God, your love for Jesus, in spite of the opposition. The time will come that you will rule and reign. He knows it. So he's doing everything in his power to oppose you now, to get you to think that you are useless, worthless, no good for nothing, to get us all involved in what's going on in the world, thinking that that's the reality. It's not the reality. The reality is way beyond. You need to have this knowledge. You, sister, you, brother, you, family of God, brothers and sisters all over the world, don't cave in. Don't give up. Don't lay down your calling within the eternal purpose of God. For you are a people living at the end of the end of the end of the ages. You are going to cross over. You are going to be birthed into the millennial reign, the kingdom of God, having governmental authority and power. You are going to be a qualified overcomer. Every generation before us in the church age, every generation there's been opportunity for the overcomers. They have all been sealed. They have all been selected in the resurrection. They shall burst forth out of the caves of obscurity, out of the graves of this world. They will be brand new bodies, brand new, and they will be given the right to rule and reign, and so shall they rule and reign. And you are being selected to hear this message today. It is a godly message, a biblical message, a powerful message, a potent message as to who you really are. This is a part of the eternal purpose of God. You shall trample the enemy under your feet. You shall rule with a rod of authority in the prophetic third day. Can I give you a little bit of just a foretaste of what we're talking about? In Esther chapter 5, Esther chapter 5, the book right before Psalms. Esther chapter 5, pretty sure that's where it is, right? Nope, it's right before Job, I guess. So Esther Right before Job, right before Psalms, there it is, Esther chapter 5. This is what we call in Scripture when we teach the Bible accurately, 
and with legal permission. This is known as a type and a shadow. In other words, this is a spiritual foretelling of what shall be in the future. And here's what it reads in Esther chapter 5, verse 1. Now it came to pass on the third day. Ladies and gentlemen, mathematically, scientifically, factually, spiritually, we are moving into the third millennium since Jesus Christ was on the earth, also known as the third day. So here's a story that came to pass on the third day that a woman by the name of Esther. Now, Esther, in type and shadow, she's a, she's a foretelling of the bride. She is the wife of the lamb, okay? Esther is the the Jerusalem, the mother of us all. Put it out wherever you want. The church, she is the bride. This is Esther. Well, it comes to pass on the third day that Esther, the wife of the lamb in type and shadow, put on her royal apparel. You see, right now, at this time, as we approach the third millennium, as we come to the third day, there will be a church, there will be a woman, there will be a bride that is to put on her royal apparel. You and I are told by the apostles in the New Testament, put on Jesus Christ, put on the new man, put on righteousness, put on, come on, put off the old, put on the new. You and I are responsible and those who are doing it are the ones that are going to finally put on the royal robes. What are those royal robes? Well, you can go to 1 Peter chapter 2. We are a royal generation. We are to rule and reign. We are the royalty of God. We are royal means a base of power. We come from a royal bloodline. You have been born again into a royal bloodline of Yeshua. He is the king that's better than the kings of the earth. He's higher than the kings of the earth. His royal bloodline will not come and go. It will last forever. And all the kings of the earth will bow their knee. But you have been born again into that royal priesthood. You have been born again to that royal bloodline. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? In the spirit, it is the absolute, unadulterated truth and reality. You are of the bloodline of Yeshua HaMashiach, the king who's way beyond Jew-Gentile. He is the spiritual king of the universes, and only God knows. However, far the realms of God go, he's the king. His name will be known throughout all eternity. His Rulership will be felt and known throughout all dimensions. There'll be no place anywhere forever that will be beyond his control and his authority and his power. And you're connected to that bloodline. You've been born again. It's who you really are. You may find yourself feeling at one time like Esther, a little Jewish girl, really having no mother, no father. And aren't we the tribe of Melchizedek? Had neither mother, father, beginning of the days of end of life. Don't you know that you're of the Melchizedek priesthood? Don't you know that you're the royal priesthood of God? Don't you know you're not who you were in Adam's bloodline, but you've been born again into something way beyond 
Catch up with it in your understanding. Catch up with it in your thinking. Well, what happens? On the third day, this church is going to put on her royal apparel. And she stood in the inner court of the king's house over against the king's house. And the king sat upon his royal throne in the royal house. This is a royal time over against the gate of the house. So everything is royalty. And you know Esther went in on the third day. She was dressed in the right apparel. She had put on the royal robes that were given her by the king. She didn't walk in with her old Esther clothing of her past. She put on the new colors. She put on the royal robes. She was decked out, and she knew when she walked into that palace, she could have been killed because she wasn't invited. She had fasted three days. Now it was time to go because she had a cause, cause of her people. And it was so when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court that she obtained favor in his sight. I declare unto you a season of favor. I declare unto you that the favor of the Lord is like a shield around your life. I declare unto you the time of favor, the time of glory, the time of power, that King Jesus from his throne in heaven is looking upon you with favor today because you're putting on his righteousness. You're putting on his royal power. You're putting on the new man, the pneuma man, the spiritual man. You're doing it, and you're finding favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter. And we know that the scepter of the King Jesus' government, according to Hebrews chapter 1, is your scepter is a scepter of righteousness. Oh, Jesus Christ, the King of glory, has a scepter in his hand. And it's a scepter of righteousness. And you and I, in the third day, he is going to stretch it towards us. He did what? He held out to Esther the golden scepter. The gold is the royalty of kings. The golden scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. What does that mean? Esther is now becoming one with the scepter of the kingdom of the king. And the ecclesia, the church, is going to shift from church age to kingdom age, having power and authority. And this is you wrapped up with all other believers who have become the true bride of Christ. And she, as a queen, will rule with her king. She is the overcomer. She's the lover. She's the lover of the king who loved not idols who loved not the world nor the things of the world she gave up the world she loved the king she loved the kingdom she loved jesus now in her love for the king she now becomes one and he says to her the king said unto her what do you want queen esther and what is your request it shall be even given you to the half of the kingdom You see, that speaks of Romans chapter 8, that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are the heirs of the kingdom. We are the joint heirs with Christ. He extends his authority, his kingdom, his scepter of righteousness to you and I and says, what do you want? It's yours up to half the kingdom. It's total sharing in his kingdom. This is where you're going. Now, do we have to wait for that millennial reign to operate in this kind of power? No. 
We could be doing this all along. We could be ruling and reigning, practicing over demons, shifting environments, creating cultures. You know, the only culture that really matters is the kingdom culture. I mean, we have Italian culture, German culture, Jewish culture. We got cultures from all over the world. But the culture of the kingdom is a spiritual culture that you and I are, should be bringing into this earth. What does it look like? We could be ruling and reigning over the powers of darkness right here, right now. We could have authority in this world to shut up the heavens and do everything that Jesus did. We have been told we have a right to do it as well. But we're going to shift one day. And that one day is closer now than ever before. From the church age to the kingdom age. The difference being the government of God. Now, there's a lot of promises to the overcomers, but one of the greatest promises ever given is in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. And it says it this way in verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne, remember every time you see the word throne, you're talking about governmental power. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son without gender we're talking without the male female thing it's talking about the overcomers in spirit are you ready to inherit all things we already saw let's go back to Revelation chapter 3 All right, we already saw in Revelation chapter 2 that the overcomers are going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. They're going to be given power over the nations. Now, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, Revelation 3, 21. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Revelation chapter 20. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 20. This was a glorious revelation. Verse 1, and I saw an angel come down from heaven. Listen, before I go any further, the devil is most threatened by this message. Because this message is a biblical message, a faithful and true message that is the undoing of his time. And he's getting ready to be thrown into the lake of fire. The beast, the false prophet, the dragon will be bound. You're going to see it right now. But this is the thing that irritates the living 
daylights out of him. This is the message that he rages against. This is the message that he moves in rage because this is the truth and he knows it. And he doesn't want you to know who you really are. He wants you to think you're a little dweeb in his world and you got to go to heaven one day. No. He knows that you've been ordained and designed by the living God to rule and reign with a rod of iron, to sit in the throne of God and to judge the nations of the earth and to judge the angels. He knows who you are. So he wars against you. He opposes you. He tries to turn you upside down, inside out. He lies to you. He tries to deceive you. He tries to get you bound up. He tries to get you far away. But blessed be the overcomer in you. Blessed be the overcoming spirit of Christ that is in you. And you will be determined. You will rule. You will reign. You will overcome. You will get the victory. Let him mock. Let him scoff. Let him laugh. Let him raise his eyebrow and think that God has forsaken the earth. But he has not. And the devil knows that this word is true. And it's designed for your victory. He knows. He absolutely knows that his time is short and it's shorter now than it's ever been because the quickening and the wrapping up of all things is at hand and the signs of the times are everywhere and now is the time to put your shoulders back lift up your head take a deep breath and realize that your momentary struggle with the things of this world will be met with an eternal weight of glory. Know that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in you. And what is that glory? It is Christ, the overcomer, in you. In all of your trials, in all of your persecutions, in all of your temptations, in all of your testings, in all of your tribulations, and persecutions. They are only working for your benefit and your behalf. They are only preparing you to become what God has called you to be. Now, Revelation 20, verse 1 again. This is what the devil knows. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Oh, we call for that angel. Oh, we long for that angel to come. And he laid hold on that dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. You see? During the thousand-year millennial reign that you and I are going to be ruling and reigning as overcomers, sitting in the throne of our Father, ruling with a rod of iron, having power over the nations. During that thousand years, Satan is where? Cast into the bottomless pit, and he shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Well, during the thousand years, Satan's not going to be able to deceive. He's a very powerful deceiver, is he not? Look what he's done to the world. Look what he's done to you and I. Look what he's done to the church. I mean, he's 
powerful. There's no doubt the devil's powerful in deception. That's his power to lie and to deceive. Now, but during the thousand years, Christ on his throne, his cabinet, we're ruling and reigning all over the world in cities, all over the world. Nations are coming under the power of the kingdom of God. And this, the devil knows. But watch, verse 4, and I saw thrones and they sat upon them. That goes all the way back to Daniel chapter 7, by the way. It says, I saw thrones and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Who are they? The overcomers. The saints. Watch this. Hold your finger there. And I, and, and I saw thrones, 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 governmental power, authority, And they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. Who are they? Well, hold your finger there. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7. And in Daniel chapter 7, we read in verse, let's go all the way down to verse 21. Daniel 7, 21. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints. You'll see that in Revelation 13. And prevailed against them until the Ancient of Days came. And judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom you see we're going into the kingdom age it's a spiritual kingdom spiritual authority spiritual power but watch this so the time came that judgment was given to the saints so you know now you know who revelation 20 is talking about but it goes on a little bit earth a little bit further and i want to read this it says in verse 25 that he shall Speak great words against the Most High, shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Think to change times and laws. They shall be given into his hand for a time, times in the dividing of time. Three and a half years, just Revelation 13. But the judgment shall sit. Listen, and they, the saints, the overcomers, they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey him and them. In the Amplified, it literally says them. This is the story. The saints are going to take away, and they're going to rule this earth. But they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb. Judgment is given to them for their faithfulness. You go back to Revelation chapter 20. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. 
the overcomers. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. Two people groups, the saints, the overcomers who overcame, came through the great tribulation. And I saw them that were the martyrs. They were what? They were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. See, they overcame. They're Revelation 15. They overcame, and they lived and reigned. The beheaded people and the saints, the overcomers, lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. Do you love it? Do you absolutely love it? All right, let's take a call. I got a call coming in. Hallelujah. Area code 941666. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hello, are you there? Okay. 941666 is not answering for some reason. <laughs> All right. Hey, you have any questions or comments? The number to call is 818-369-0326. I realize we've been talking straight for an hour and 12 minutes. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any questions, any comments about what you heard today, we'd love to hear it. 818 818- I forget the number. 818-369-0326 is the number to call. Press 1 on your dial pad, and we'll bring you right into the broadcast. Let's take a call coming from South Dakota, area code 605-695. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Yes, as you are teaching and bringing out in Revelation 22nd chapter, I was following this. And I've heard this message many years ago, but we're in that hour right now because in the verse 9, it says, John the Revelator said, come and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he called the bride's wife, New Jerusalem, in 10. And it says, he carried me away, the Spirit of God did, in the spirit to a great high mountain showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It's true. Mm. This is going to happen. God's sovereign. And we're moving out of one age into the kingdom age. Praise Hallelujah. God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love it. You're right on. I love it. It's what's coming. It's what the enemy is fighting everybody about. He wants to maintain his position of power on this earth. He wants his one world government. He's trying to amass all the nations, the weapons to fight against the coming of the Lord. It's not going to prevail. It's a vain pursuit. But I wonder if we, the ecclesia, living in the end of the end of the end of the ages, have some responsibility to begin to prophesy these things that come to pass, to declare this reality of the Lord, that the spirit and the bride would say, come quickly, Lord Jesus, 
and we would get through our trials, we would get through our temptations, our testing, our tribulation, and stop looking at them as negative things, but as very powerful tools to get us ready, our boot camp for what we've been designed and created by God for. I guess only time will tell, but I really believe that's what we should do. Amen. We've got to be faithful unto the end of what God is bringing us through. Be faithful. He said, will I find that when I come again to take over? So it's faithful then. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Sister Kathy, we'll be seeing you at the end of May, you and Ken and all the family in South Dakota. Can't wait. So we go meet with Pastor David and Victoria over an hour up in South Dakota. Patricia and I have been invited to speak there. We're so excited about it. I've been feeling like a lion in a cage pacing back and forth. I need to get out. I need to inspire somebody with this message. Thank God for radio. Let me take my next call, Kathy. God bless you. Let's take Patricia Joy, 858-864-8712. Good morning, Patricia Joy. God bless you. Welcome to this broadcast. What's on your mind this morning? Oh, good morning. Good morning. I am so very excited about what I'm hearing. It Speak closer into the phone, please. Could you hear me now? It's, it's a little weak. Okay, let me check, please, one moment. Okay. Do you hear me better now? I do, if you, if you stay really, really close. Okay, I'll give it every effort I can. I wanted to bring up 2 Timothy 2, and it says that saying is trustworthy, worthy. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, and we're talking about death to self here, if we have died with him, we will also live with him If we endure, meaning if we will endure to the very end, we will also reign with him. Promise. This is not just a saying. This is something that God has given us. This passage that you stressed today is the future aspect of our reigning with the Lord, a reign that will involve us judging Even the angels, as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 3. And we should all be looking forward eagerly to that final day rather than getting ourselves involved with the death process of today. We have nothing to do with the darkness. We are of the light. But let us not forget that we are even now reigning with our Savior in many ways, as you have mentioned, casting out demons, overcoming sin. Sin no longer has dominion over the us who believe in Jesus, for we live in the gracious era in which we have been adopted as God's children. And that's in Romans 6. And in Galatians, by the Spirit, we can now conquer sin and grow in holiness. And this has been my cry from the time I become a born-again Christian. But it's hard 
for people to hear and to understand because they're still dealing with their sins. But we overcome sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we are also free from the tyranny of the law that so many try to put back on us and make us guilty in our conscience again. And so being forgiven in Christ, we could fulfill the, the law, and it is a royal law. It is the law of liberty in serving our creator now in overcoming now into the millennium. Hallelujah and praise God. Thank you so much for your message. Oh, God bless you, and thank you for sharing, Patricia. As always, you are a kingdom gal, and uh, we appreciate you always sharing your thoughts about these very important issues. Uh, Patricia Joy, my beloved wife, wrote a book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, and it's really all about getting all the junk off of you so you can step into your destiny as an all-ruler within the kingdom of heaven. Let's take our next call coming in, area code 916. You are on the air. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Well, thank you, Pastor Vincent. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, Brother Mark. How are you, sir? You sound I'm great. I'm blessed. Better now that I hear your voice. Hallelujah. Mm, hallelujah. Thank you for that. What's going on, well, my friend? You, you know what? Um, this morning's broadcast served to clarify something for me that is found in the Beatitudes. The scripture, uh, Matthew 5, 10. I'll go ahead and read it. Uh, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What, what occurs to me here, Pastor, is that a person who was born into this planet, even though we are born into sin because we are natively and DNA part of the, fa- the family of Adam, when we come to Christ we recapture some heavenly power. We recapture a closeness to the Lord when we come to Jesus. Now, what you have said this morning is that Satan targets believers. Satan wants to undermine and destroy and to lie and kill and steal away the relationship between the believer and the Lord Jesus and and the Lord God and the Holy Spirit. Satan wants to dash that to pieces. What occurs to me is that our blessing, when we're persecuted, we are actually persecuted by Satan. Um, You know, we could spend time looking around the horizon and, and being careful and watchful of human beings looking for sources of persecution to, to dodge and to duck and to run away from or whatever. But really, the source of persecution is Satan. And to the degree, the degree to which our relationship with the Lord can be strong, that's the degree to which Satan is going to try his best to undermine it. So it just, it's, it's a little difficult to describe. I've hope, I hope I have described it well, but we can count our blessings. And Jesus himself said this. As part of the Beatitudes, we can count our, as a blessing the persecution that we suffer because that is a direct relationship there. You know, the, the, the closer we are to the Lord, 
the harder Satan is going to try. And we have the tools to to make sacred our relationship with the Lord. We have the tools. We can rebuke Satan. Um, another scripture here, James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's real power right there. What we need to do is resist Satan and keep our eyes on God. And when we resist Satan, he will, in fact, flee from us. It says so in Scripture. And so that is a biblical base for our rebuking the work of Satan every minute, every day, every hour to become overcomers. And there are scripture, there are scriptures all over the Bible regarding what will become of overcomers. That's going to be our reward. Amen. I think this morning's broadcast really did clarify for me quite a bit. The Apostle Matthew was talking about in Matthew 5.10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. Is that your story? And that's my story, Pastor, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that's the way to go. All right. Well said. Yeah, I like I like the epiphany on that because uh, you know that is the kingdom of heaven is a governmental kingdom, and for those who overcome, they get that ruling and reigning in the kingdom. Very well said, Brother Mark. Thank you for sharing. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Take care. God bless Thank you. you. God bless you. All right, let's take our next call coming in from 479-321. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning. Well, good morning, sir. You? I'm well, Lord Phil. <laughs> uh, something interesting. I bet in Daniel 7 a lot. You came back to that just now. What I find really interesting is, uh, well, uh, or Sir Daniel seven fifteen, he said he was grieved in his spirit in the midst of his body, and the visions of my head troubled me. And then in verse twenty eight, here or two is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations have troubled me, and my countenance changed in me, and I kept the matter in my heart. In the heart, in the midst of you, is uh, really the controlling spirit of the well, everything of your body. I mean, the physical heart, as well as could talk about the the uh, spiritual heart. In this case, but it's just I don't know. I'm just really puzzled by some of the. See, he earlier talked about the ancient of the days. And in other places, it also talked about the Son of Man came before the ancient of days. But in the other places, he talked about the Son of God. So I guess my main question is, why did he use, do you think, in Revelation 7 13, why did he say Son of Man is that Son of God? Hmm. I need to study that one out. I honestly do. I don't have a quick answer for you on that one. I'm sure it's an incredible Bible study, and we need to put that together and find out what 
what was being meant? What, why the interchangeability, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought of, uh, well, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet, so he was the son of man. Then back to chapter 2 or 3, I noticed he did say son of God. So it's just puzzling. I'm just, it's hmm. a good puzzling. You know? It's, just kind it's of a good puzzle. And you have all day to yeah. figure that out. So go yeah. get it. And then tomorrow you give us the answer, okay? All right. All right. I expect it. All right. Very good. Lord Phil calling in from Northwest Arkansas. God bless you, my brother. We love you. All right. So we're waiting for your call. 818-369-0326 is the number to call. I got a great news for you tomorrow. uh, Or actually, it's going to happen on Monday. We normally do not do radio broadcasts on Monday, but there is a very special young lady by the name of Sonia who has a ministry into the Muslim world and has a tremendous amount of insight and revelation and understanding about what's going on in the Islamic reality. She's going to, Lord willing, be joining me on the air probably at 1 o'clock in the afternoon Central Standard Time on Monday. And I'm going to give myself to that interview. I think it's important because as I began the broadcast today, um, we're seeing all these things kind of re-rev up again, i.e. Rocket Man over in North Korea, the border issue, mass shootings. All these things were going on, you know, everywhere, and then it just died. It went away, and they're all coming back again under this present administration. And there's no doubt that in order in this world for things to be achieved the way they want them to be achieved, that the wild man will be released again, Ishmael. And we're going to see the Islamic stealth jihad again come back to view. You're going to see Islamic terrorism come back to view. And uh, interviewing Sonia this coming Monday, if we get an okay from her, uh, we'll put it on Facebook and let people know what's happening. Uh, That will be a very interesting interview, and I'm looking forward to it. So with having said that, again, 818-369-0326 is the number to call. Press 1 on your dial pad if you have any questions or comments. If not... I'm going to wrap it up. It's 1029. I'm going to say goodbye to all of you today. Remember, Passover is ahead of us. If you would like to send a Passover offering to this ministry, this radio ministry, you can do it by just simply texting it. You could actually text your Passover offering if you feel led to do it, and you could do that. It's on the screen uh, by going to 41088Omega. That's all one word. Type in 41088-OMEGA, and then type in the word GIVE. It'll take you to where you need to be. Or you could go to our donations tab under nwmglobal.org. That's also on the screen in front of me right now, nwmglobal.org. Go to the donations tab. You should be able to just specify this is my Passover offering. We've got to make that available. I'll talk more about it tomorrow. And Saturday evening at the setting of the sun, Passover, a very holy feast that you and I in New Testament kingdom people need to understand the intrinsic value of this great feast of the Lord. We're going to get into it. We're going to have a meeting tomorrow up on the ark at 6 p.m. where we're going to have a lot of good conversation. I told you you should leave everything behind, get to the feast of Passover, honor God. It's a time where he calls everybody together 
to celebrate the Feast of the Lord. I hope you'll make it somewhere, wherever you are, and that you'll put God first. Saturday night is the actual feast. We're going to be talking about it on Friday. Remember, this is a glorious time to celebrate. It has a lot of meaning in the year 5781. Pack your bags, Mamma Mia. All right. Well, having said that, we'll talk to you again tomorrow, talk with you tomorrow. And right now on Omega Radio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, there is a roundtable discussion on deliverance from a particular spirit that has been running roughshod in the body of Christ. Get to that right now, omegaradio.org. It's 24-7, all day long, every hour of the day. You can listen to some of the great messages, but right now, deliverance, the roundtable discussion with Patricia Joy Xavier. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministry. We're going to say goodbye for now. We'll see you tomorrow with bells on. Until then, shalom. Have a super blessed day.